0: Our text for today is from our gospel reading, from John chapter 8, the words of Christ himself, verses 34, 35, and 36, where Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever, the son remains forever so, if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. And this is the holy and the inspired word of God. All of you have been to or you've seen a baseball game or some sort of sporting event. Before the game begins, the first thing we do is we all stand. We take off our ball caps and we put our hands over our heart and we sing together our national anthem, the Star-Spangled Banner. And by the end of that song, there's kind of the culmination of the song, the climactic moment of that song where there is a extended high note Where we speak about, we sing about the land of the free. And that's when everyone starts to applaud and starts to cheer that extended high note, the land of the free. And then we speak about the home of the brave, the home of the brave, sort of an afterthought. The focus there, the climactic moment is that we are the land of the free. And certainly, we can as Christians give thanks to God for the freedoms we have in this land, in this country, freedom from tyranny and oppression. But the ultimate question that's before us here today is this What does it mean to be free? And I don't mean just as citizens, what does it mean to be free or to live in a free country, but what does it mean to be truly, truly free? As we've been doing in these sermons, these ultimate questions, we're simply going to compare and contrast the biblical answer to that ultimate question with the secular answer. Answer to that question. We're going to compare and contrast the biblical answer to the question of what does it mean to be truly free with the secular answer. And by secular, I simply mean the non biblical, the non religious, the non Christian, a more atheistic perspective. And it really is the overriding worldview, the secular worldview in our American culture today of the 21st century. And so how is it that the average person here in America, maybe in your neighborhood, your school, your workplace, in the checkout line of the supermarket, how would they define freedom? How would they answer that question? What does it mean to be truly free? I think it's something like this. What does it mean to be truly free? It means being free to do whatever I want as long as it doesn't hurt someone else. To be truly free is to be free to do whatever I want, and then we add this aside, as long as it doesn't hurt someone else. This is, I think, just unquestioned in our culture today. This is just the assumption. It goes unexamined. What does it mean to be free? It means to be free to do whatever I want, as long as I don't hurt someone else. And this is the greatest virtue and the highest value, and the people who are celebrated as, as real heroes today are the people who go out and they live their life, and they're their authentic self, and they are absolutely free to live their life the way that they want to and to be who they want to be, as long as they don't hurt someone else. Again, it's just the unquestioned assumption of what freedom is. I think we should question it. I think if we do question it and we do analyze this answer to the question, this definition of freedom, we will see that this type of freedom really is inadequate to really speak to the fullness of what it means to be a human being and the human condition in this world. And that this understanding of freedom really doesn't work. And it doesn't work for all sorts of different reasons, but we're going to see real quick here this morning four different reasons why this definition of freedom, that we are free to do whatever we want to do as long as we don't hurt someone else, first of all, it doesn't work simply logically. I'm free to do whatever I want as long as I don't hurt someone else. And it's that second clause which is contradictory to the first clause. As long as I don't hurt someone else, who is it that decides, who is it that judges what it means to hurt somebody else? In order to make a decision, a judgment of what it means to hurt someone else. To hurt someone else means you are wronging someone else and in order for anyone to make that kind of judgment there has to be some sort of standard there has to be some sort of absolute standard of what right and wrong actually is and if there is an absolute standard outside of you as an individual particular human being if there is absolute right and wrong then the first clause ceases to be that we're not truly free to do whatever it is that we want to do it doesn't even work Logically, but more importantly, it doesn't work culturally. And what I mean by that is this that we are so enmeshed in whatever particular culture in which we live, whatever particular time and place we're so conditioned in the way that we think, even the things that we feel and the things that we do by the particular culture, the time and the place, the particular zeitgeist, that is the spirit of the age in which we find ourselves, are we really free? Let me explain. Let me give you an example, a thought experiment. I want you to imagine a young man living a 1,000 years ago, 1,023 A.D., Anglo-Saxon England. And the Vikings are raiding, and, and so they are a warrior culture, honor, shame culture, a warrior culture. But this young man, a 1,000 years ago, for whatever reason, finds that he has same-sex attraction. A 1,000 years ago, that is not going to be celebrated. In fact, it's not going to be tolerated. It's not going to be allowed. And so... That desire gets pushed to the side. But this young man, a thousand years ago, is aggressive. And he's a violent young man. And he likes to fight. And when he fights, he's brutal about it. A thousand years ago, Anglo Saxon culture, that is going to be celebrated. That is going to be encouraged and applauded. And so this young man says, That's who I am. I am a warrior of the Anglo Saxon people. And you take that same young man and we bring him a thousand years into the future to today, 2023. And this young man is violent, he likes to get in fights, he has aggression. And when he fights, he's brutal. In 2023, what's going to happen to that young man? Lots and lots of counseling. Lots of counseling. In fact, probably at some point will be removed, locked away from society. But in 2023, that young man, for whatever reason, has same-sex attraction. That is going to be encouraged, and that is going to be celebrated and applauded. And so this young man then says, well, that's who I am. This is the core of my identity, and I'm free to be who I want to be. But do you see how conditioned we are by the particular time and place and age and culture in which we live. We think we're being free, and this is who I am, but we are so enmeshed in the, again, culture in which we live. Is that freedom? It doesn't work logically or culturally. It doesn't work relationally. Unless you want to live utterly isolated from all other people, to live in community and to live in relationships with other people means sacrificing, giving up some of your freedom. This is what marriage is. Marriage is sacrificing your freedom Certain freedoms for the other person, and the other person is sacrificing their freedoms for you If I were to go home today and my wife, Leah Hey, honey, we have company coming over. I want you to help me clean the house. I say, you know what? Listen, I'm not gonna harm you, but I'm not gonna help you. I am free to do whatever I want to do and she would say you are free to leave It just, I'm free to do whatever I want to. It doesn't work. And it doesn't work spiritually. Or if you don't even believe in spiritual things here today, it doesn't work psychologically. I think we all know, we've experienced this on some level. We can be free to pursue our desire and our need for wealth and status. But we know that that desire and that need for wealth or status will actually control us. Or you can be free to pursue your desire for the approval, the approval of other people, but you're actually, see, being controlled by your need for that approval. Or you can go and you can be free to love the person you want to love, and and you need that person. You need and want that person in your life, but you actually can be controlled by your need for that love of that other person. Or you might be free to be in control of your life. I am in control. I have to be in control of my life. Do you realize you're actually being controlled by your need for control? The Bible actually has a word for this. It's called idolatry. It's called False Gods. And a great philosopher, I know I talk a lot about philosophers, a great philosopher and a profound theologian of our day, Bob Dylan, (laughs) said this 1979, recorded a song, actually performed it on the Grammys that year. You've got to serve somebody. And the lyric says, it might be the devil or it might be the Lord, but you're gonna have to serve somebody. What does it mean to be truly free? Being free to do whatever I want as long as I don't hurt anyone else and i would submit to you that is inadequate it doesn't speak to the fullness of what it means to be a human being and it doesn't work now let's compare and contrast that definition with the biblical definition or a biblical answer to the question and if we study the scriptures and we understand the theology of god's word A biblical answer to the question of what does it mean to be truly free is this. It means being free to live in alignment with how I, how we, have been designed. To be free... To live in perfect alignment with how you've been designed, how you've been made. And unless you're here today and you don't believe in God, and you believe that we came from nothing, and we're going to nothing, and ultimately we are nothing, but you believe, if you believe in God, you believe in a creator of some sort, it means you have been made. It means you have been designed for a purpose, for a reason. The illustration that I've used a lot, it comes from Tim Keller, pastor and theologian, is the illustration of a fish. And a fish has been designed, it's been made to live, what's its natural habitat? The water, salt water, fresh water. But think about that. A fish, a poor fish, is limited, is confined to only water. A fish has never had the opportunity to feel the warmth of the sun upon its fishy face. And a fish has never been able to go up and just really see the mountains or to just take a deep breath of air. And so what we should do is we should go to the lakes and the rivers and the streams and the oceans and we should liberate the fish. We should take as many fish as we possibly can and throw them onto the shore. Set them free. And what do they do? They gasp and gasp and gasp until they die. Have you ever been fishing? I've been fishing and the the fish falls off the hook and it starts flopping all around on the ground or flopping in the boat. It's pathetic. Flop, 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 flop. And you try to pick it up and you throw it in the water and the moment it hits the water, it just takes off. Because a fish was specifically designed and made and crafted to thrive in the water. A fish is most fully able to maximize its fishiness in water. It can move and dart and swim. It is most free within the limitations, within the confines of water. Look, I like to go water skiing. Grew up going water skiing. I think after church today, Micah, we're going to get my pickup truck. We're going to hook up a ski rope to the back of my pickup truck, and I'm going to ski down Arapahoe Road. (laughs) What's going to happen? The skis are going to disintegrate. I'm going to start to disintegrate because the skis were designed to work behind a boat on water. And when we are living apart from our design and what we're made, we begin to disintegrate. Our bodies break down. Our souls. We were designed and made for a purpose for so much more. This is what Jesus is talking about. In our gospel reading from John chapter 8, where he says this. Truly, Truly. Now, look, everything Jesus said was important, but when he begins it with a double truly, it's Amen, Amen. We really got to pay attention. Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. What is sin? Sin is that which keeps us, separates us from God. Sin is what separates us from the ultimate design and purpose of our life. Sin is what keeps us from that perfect cornonia, fellowship, deep-abiding love with God the Father. Sin is what tries to deceive us and to disguise who we really are. We are royalty. You are of nobility from a whole other kingdom, a whole other world where you belong, where you truly belong. And sin deceives us into thinking that this is all there is. As C.S. Lewis said, we're like an ignorant child. You know, children don't always know everything. We're like an ignorant child who would rather go on making a mud pie in a slum because they can't even fathom or understand what is meant by the offer of a vacation by the sea. He says we're far too easily pleased. We are offered infinite joy from God. And we say, you know, that's great, but that corner office, whew, one day my life will be complete or fill in the blank for your own life. He says, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. Jesus is saying, we are the lost children of God. We are the sons and daughters of the great high king of heaven. This is who you are. He says, there is a house. There is a home. There is a place where that has been prepared for you. What is home? It's a place where you can fully be you who you really are. Home is a place of deep rest. Home is a place where you are welcomed, where the Father sees you coming down the path and God the Father runs to you to welcome you back home and throws a huge celebration rejoicing over you. It is a place where you finally make sense. Jesus then finally says, so if the Son, that's Jesus, sets you free, you will be free indeed. The Greek word there for indeed is the word for truth. Jesus is saying, if I set you free, you will begin to experience true freedom. You will be brought into greater alignment with your design and what you were made for and what you were meant for. Some of you might say, yeah, but the Bible. It's got all those commands, commandments, and rules. I I still don't understand. How is that how is that free? I don't understand how that's freedom. Remember, we're talking about, first of all, God is the Father, He's the designer, He created you. He knows how we are to operate best. Gentlemen, I know some of the gentlemen here, you're like me, you get the Ikea furniture, you get the thing home, and the first thing you do is you throw away the directions. (laughs) I know how to do this, and the thing goes horribly wrong. We need those instructions, just on a very basic level. He designed us, he knows how we work. That's number one, but number two, remember it's a relationship. And as I said, a relationship is about bringing your will into alignment with another and someone bringing their will into alignment. And it is about sacrifice in that way. And what are the commands of God? It is what God loves. It's what's best for us, but it's it's an expression of his heart. And when we do our best to follow the commands, it's simply trying to love what God loves. Don't you know that in your... You do that in your earthly relationships, right? When I first got married, early dating, and then first got married, uh, my wife, Leah, is so wonderful. I watch, I watch, I'm probably obsessed by this really kind of goofy British science fiction show called Doctor Who. Ooh, Doctor Who. My poor daughter has been corrupted by me. But Leah, I mean, we're just dating, we're just married, I say, hey, would you watch this with me? God bless her. She sat down and watched every single episode of every single season of Doctor Who with me because she liked it? No. But because I liked it and it brought me happiness and it brought me joy to share that with her and so she loved what I love. It's relationship. Some of you might say, yes, but with God, it's all one-sided. It's abusive. We are called to sacrifice. And we are called to obey and to be obedient. What does God do? Are you forgetting who God is? Not just a generic God, but Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ sacrificed everything he sacrificed his freedom so that we might be truly free he sacrificed his life he became obedient to the point of death even death on a cross think about it jesus his hands were nailed to the wood of the cross and his feet were nailed to the wood of the cross he was held fast to the wood of the cross he couldn't even move his hands he wasn't even free to move his own body He was held fast to the wood, not only by the nails, but ultimately by the power and the force of his love for you. Sacrifice, God has given it all away so that you can trust and believe the reason why you were made, your design was for him. Now one last thing. Paul writes in Galatians chapter 5 that it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free, set you free. What does this mean? It means this listen, as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, you are free to do whatever you want. Let me say that again. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you are free to do whatever you want. But if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, what you want to do has been transformed has been changed because you see how much he loves you that we're his by grace and grace alone that he gave it all away simply because he wants you to be with him forever. You're free to do whatever you want to do but deep down inside what you want more than anything is to follow his ways is to listen to his word and to know when you mess up and you mess up every day, he's always there to forgive and welcome you back home. What does it mean to be free, truly free? It means to live your life for so much more for what you were meant for. Now look, in this series, we've, we've looked at, you know, where did we come from as human beings? And we've seen the answer to the question of why are we here and our purpose? And how can we believe the Bible to be true And today we've talked about what it means to be truly free in Jesus Christ. But there's still a great question. Where are we actually going? What is eternal life actually like? And how can knowing that eternal life actually transform your life today? That's a really good question. Come back next week. And bring a friend. As always, to Christ alone be all the glory. Amen.